You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. Now, marketing teams, I think, are well aware that measuring the effectiveness of digital ads is getting more difficult, and it's going to keep getting more difficult for all kinds of reasons. Cookies are going bye-bye, and there's all kinds of issues around privacy that's just getting it harder and harder to measure what people are doing online. And that's why my guest today is Jeff Greenfield. Jeff is CEO of Provolytics, which is a future-proofed ad measurement solution for marketing teams. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Excited to be here. And you're, you're right about the cookie problem. We're calling it the cookie apocalypse is upon us. Mm-hmm. Could you call it a cookieopolis? Cookie apocalypse. Cookie apocalypse. There you go. Apocalypse, I think, would be good. Yeah. I like that. We should patent that. Cookie apocalypse. Okay. And then you can make actual real cookies that are cookie apocalypse cookies with, I don't know, they blow up when you eat them or something. Anyway, bad idea. Bad (laughs) idea. So, future proofed ad measurement solution for marketing teams. Let's get into this. What is the future of ad measurement? look like? Or what does the present look like? And what what is coming at us in the future? Well, the present for ad measurement really sucks. It, it's in pretty bad shape. And the reason for that is because most marketers got used to this world of deterministic. And what I mean by deterministic is because of cookies and the way the internet has functioned up until about a year or two ago, every touch point Every place that you went, every ad that you interacted with, every piece of content that you looked at could be tracked by third parties. Now, for some of us who are privacy folks, especially in the ad space, we look at that and we're like, oh, I don't want to be tracked. But from an advertising perspective, being tracked means people can look at or advertisers can look at your interests. They can look at what was purchased and they can make certain that the ads that you receive are actually relevant. Let's not forget that the Internet is free and it's an ad supported model. That's what it's based upon, like old style television. And so things things worked really well. And as a result, we were able to track all the way through and use machine learning to look at this data to determine where advertisers should spend more and where they should spend less in order to get more customers. And that worked out really well. And then a couple of years ago, a couple of things happened. One was it was a bunch of privacy reform in the EU called GDPR. And then that kind of followed over to, in California, the CCPA. And what this does is it regulates what companies can do with this information. And now we've got privacy regulations going on in about 50 different states. iOS, Apple updated their operating system that prevented companies from being able to get information across apps. That caused a huge ripple in Facebook in terms of their ability to actually target and measure. And then on top of it, these cookies that have been the base of of all of this and the internet, the third-party cookies, the cookies that are the tracking part, those are going away. They were scheduled to go away this year. They're actually going to go away next year in Google Chrome. Now, that's important because Google Chrome is about 65, 70% of all users on the internet use Google Chrome. 
But third-party cookies have been gone from all of Apple's operating systems for a number of years. And so what that means is, is that those who are used to using things like Google Analytics and stuff like that to track, the data is not going to be the same. And on top of all of that, to make matters worse, Google Analytics is going away. As of July of this year, it's going to be replaced by Google Analytics 4. Sounds similar, but what it means is that you have to log into a different place. The numbers are going to look different. So overall, measurement is is in a bit of an upheaval this year. Moving into next year, things are going to be completely different. And also, what makes this even worse is that the types of marketing that brands like to do when we think about things to build awareness, like being on a podcast and advertising on podcasts, advertising on TV or the new latest and greatest CTV, which is digitized television, there's no way to track that because there aren't any clicks associated with that. Those mm-hmm. are just impressions that are kind of out there. So how do we, how do we measure for those? How do, we, how do we measure an influencer on TikTok as well, too? There's lots of new forms of media that have come out that don't work with the old style of measurement. So that's a lot of change happening very quickly. What's driving all this? Well, the biggest driver is, is privacy. But understand that this all started in the EU. And w- the way it works over in the EU and outside of the US is a lot different than the way it works in the US. So as the digital ecosystem started to build up, these companies would build up these, these kind of lists, if you will, of, of tracking behaviors. And they would have these lists of people that were like soccer moms. These are dads. These are retired folks who like fishing. And so there were all, all these lists that you could then go to a Google or a Facebook and buy into. You know, I remember back in the day in Facebook, you could actually target Ford F-150 owners whose lease was about to expire within six months. I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. Over outside of the U.S., they said, hey, listen, all of those lists you have, they're, they're gone now, and users have to opt in. You can't automatically build a list. Users have to opt in. So everyone is starting from ground zero. And so what happened is a lot of companies, they, they left because their businesses were gone overnight. And the U.S. way it works is that you can have that list, but users now have a right to opt out. They have a right to ask to say, hey, I want to see what information you have on me. And also to say, hey, that information isn't correct. I need you to update it or I want you to completely delete me. Now, I should say you only have a right right now in California and maybe in Nevada. Eventually, there'll be a national law. But right now, it's being regulated by different states, which makes it very confusing for marketers and advertisers on how to comply. So that's that's one side of it. The other side that's driving this is that used to be that Google and Facebook were like the driving forces in marketing online. They commanded the vast majority of dollars. Overnight, there's competition to that. Amazon is now commanding about 25% of the search market because consumers, it used to be like whenever you wanted anything, you would Google it. That's how it was. And then what would happen is that we would be trained. We would Google something and we see an ad for Amazon and we would click through and go to Amazon. Well, over the course of a couple of years, we now just Amazon it. We go straight Mm. to Amazon. So our, our behavior has changed. And then also on top of it, 
Walmart has jumped in. Target has jumped in. A lot of other companies have jumped in with their own ad products. So there's now competition in the marketplace for these dollars. And as a result, all these walls have gone up. So the folks at Walmart don't want to share their data with anyone who can then share it with Amazon and vice versa. And so as a result, with all these walls up, there's no information to get back and forth. You can't track back and forth. And so that is another aspect of this. It's not just the privacy, but it's how these companies are working in this new, very competitive ecosystem. Mm. What about in the B2B realm? What are the implications if you're a B2B content marketer, say? B2B is very interesting. It's, it's fascinating to see how B2B marketers look at marketing. They, they traditionally step back and they say, oh, B2B is different than business to consumer because, you know, I'm not just selling to one person, I'm selling to an organization and there's one person I have to get excited. And then there's a whole team that goes on and there's account-based marketing and it's totally different except for one thing, you're still selling to people. And what that means is when they go home at night and they're watching some sort of entertainment show, they're a person, but they're still, you know, maybe they're working, maybe their phone is there. Some of the most successful B2B marketing campaigns have actually treated B2B like it's a consumer sell. A great example of that is NetSuite by Oracle. They did a massive direct-to-consumer campaign on Sirius XM. They ran radio ads, which is mm-hmm. unheard of for a B2B company. And they killed it. They did incredibly well with it. And if you start watching some CNBC and CNN, you'll start to see more and more B2B companies running traditional linear television. Why are they doing that? Because they know their audience is watching business television at night. So you have to think about one of the nice things is that when someone has their B2B purchase hat on and they're a purchaser, you know, they've got their guard up. But when they're at home at night, they're relaxing. And if you can slip in a message there, it's a great way to influence them. And and that's part of one of the things that's important to think about is that one of the one of the downfalls of direct to consumer marketing is that we have a whole generation of marketers that believe you advertise today, you get sales today. If I stop advertising today, my sales are over. That's not the case at all. Advertising is meant to influence, and there's this kind of long-term impact that it has. It can actually be measured. It's called advertising ad stock. And the idea is that somebody sees an ad, they get influenced by it, and they're like, okay, you know, I'm not in market for that now, but I'm going to put a picture in the back of my head. And then they see Mm -hmm. more ads later on. And once they get exposed over and over again, eventually they say, okay, hey, I'm going to check this out. It's time for me to be influenced and buy and it's important to realize that that's how all these journeys go, especially B2B as well. It takes time. Yeah, I was going to say, especially in B2B with those long sales cycles. And that's kind of the whole reason that content marketing came to be. You got to stay in front of people and you can't just keep emailing them with like, hey, remember me? I got a new, you know, you have to, it has to be more engaging, more interesting than that. So, so all these new rules and changes that are coming about, what should B2B marketers specifically, what should they be thinking about? How should B2B brands be preparing to deal with all these changes that are coming soon? Well, one of the things is that they should really be thinking about is that conferences are back. And the reason that conferences and face-to-face is important is 
that's kind of at a level of branding, if you will. It's a way to really put your name on the block from a B2B perspective. And, and what I'm hearing out there is that folks really want to get back to conferences. They miss being yeah. out. They're, they're tired of being stuck at home. And the reason that you want to be at these conferences and have branding is that the research has shown that any type of branding, upper funnel, if you will, awareness activity pays back at about two times the rate of these lower funnel digital, traditional digital channels do. So like, mm. you know, your brand search or your email, building awareness, like anything like an event, podcast advertising, television, as I mentioned, radio or any type of audio, those types of things really have an impact when you're talking about big numbers and also longer sales cycles. The other thing you want to start thinking about is how do we go and think about from a measurement standpoint of view? How do we, mm. let's say we do a podcast campaign, how do we actually see if it's working or not? And that's kind of a scary thing. So one of the things that you can think about is you have to go back to look at more traditional forms of measurement. And before we had digital, the way we would measure TV, radio, and print is through a process called marketing mix modeling. And that's a probabilistic approach because you don't have direct connection from a TV ad to a person to a purchase. And we would use regression analysis where we would relate how many impressions and TV, we call it GRPs are in market and relate that to sales. Now, the problem for B2B is that marketing mix modeling only looks at sales. And in B2B, it's a long sales cycle. We're obviously interested in sales, but what we're really interested in is leads. And then we're interested in the different stages that they go through and how media can impact those. And so historically, before the walls went up, we would use things like multi-touch attribution for that. Mm -hmm. But since the walls are up, we can't use that. And since there are no walls to take down for podcast or TV, we kind of have to look in between marketing mix modeling and in between multi-touch attribution. And there's a solution out there that we created, which is called Provalytics, which is what we call middle out. It's in the middle of both. And it utilizes the impressions that are in market. So we borrow from marketing mix, but we're able to connect those dots all the way through to lead to different stages in the funnel all the way through to sales. So it's a, it's a new approach that utilizes a combination of machine learning and some of the new AI that's out there. But primarily, the, the greatest thing is that cloud computing, you can do so much in the cloud at scale that you could never do on a single computer, which is absolutely amazing. So that allows us to mm -hmm. do really cool things and solve very complicated problems, such as being able to account for branding and, and how it relates all the way through our sales cycle. Can you give me an example of how that works, like a real world example? Yeah, a real world example of that is, and let's talk in a different type of industry. Let's talk in terms of the pharmaceutical industry. That's an industry that spends a significant sum of money and they're, they're out there and they're actually trying to influence two different types of folks. They're trying to influence consumers to say, hey, I've got, I've got a, a health condition. I didn't know about this medication. And they're also trying to influence healthcare professionals. And it's a, it's a very interesting cycle because even though they're advertising to consumers, consumers can't go and say, hey, walk into a pharmacy and say, give me that. They actually have to go into a physician. The physician has to prescribe it. And so you're out spending hundreds of millions of dollars on ads 
And really all you're interested in at the end of the day is how many prescriptions are there that are written each week, each month, because that translates into sales. But there's a lot of steps that goes into that. And not only that, but you also have a sales force that's out there that's out having conversations with staff at a physician's office. And how do you connect those dots? Well, the reality is there is there are no direct connections because there is no way to connect someone being exposed to a TV ad or a print mm-hmm. ad or a radio ad to them actually walking into a pharmacy with a prescription. And there's no way to get that direct information on that the doctor wrote the prescription for this person. But by using statistical analysis and correlation, we can look at the impressions that are in market. We can look at how many scripts are written every single day and create models that will then look at this to see what is actually influencing the different types of behavior of getting consumers to where there's more scripts in market. So it's it's mm. really mm. fascinating. It's a huge math problem, if you will. Mm. But the reason it's future-proofed is that when we think about the marketing environment as it exists today, a year from now, two years from now, there's going to be another TikTok. There's going to be something else that comes out. And we need to think about what kind of information can I get from that marketplace or whatever it is. I know that I'll be able to get how much money I spent there as a, as a marketer uh, for each day. And I'll also know I'll be able to get how many impressions, how many people actually saw something. You can even get that from a YouTube video each day. So that's all we need in order to calculate and add something into the model to see if it's actually making a difference. Okay. And then, so like, what kind of information does the model give you, like give a marketer so you can look at it and be like, aha, uh-huh, yes, this is working or nope, we need to tweak everything. That's an awesome question, Jeremy. It gives you several bits of information. The most important is what's called incrementality, meaning if I didn't do this one thing on this particular day, how many leads would I have not received or how many sales would mm. I have not received? So incrementality is, is incredibly important. And it's something that was missing from attribution, but has always been part of a marketing mix modeling. And typically in order to do it, you have to do these very complicated holdout tests where you're restricting ads in a specific geo or a specific segment, and you have to measure it for a period of time. But using statistical analysis, we can get to that same answer. So first off, I want to know, what is the incremental value that every tactic and channel provides? That's number one. The other thing that's incredibly important, so, so that incremental value is important in terms of telling me, how did I do yesterday? And mm-hmm. how did I do last month from a reporting aspect? But I also want to know, like, well, what about tomorrow? What about next month? And so for that, in order to accurately forecast, you actually need to be able to look at how does this tactic influence other partners and other tactics? And what I mean by that is that when you run an ad on a podcast, it influences people. Some people will just put it in the back of their head and not do anything. Other people will go and Google the company And they'll click on the ad that they see there, which is a brand search ad. So that's actually going to push up brand search. The same thing is true of display advertising and TV advertising. It lifts all these others. And what a lot of marketers see is that when they do this type of offline advertising that can't be measured, they see a lift in other things. 
And that's what we call the synergistic effect. And mm -hmm. so what we also provide is not only incrementality, but how how much of a synergistic effect is it having on other channels and what other channels? And then on top of that, we provide a forecast. So companies are able to look at their data and say, hey, I want to like to know over the next 90 days, if we spend the exact same money, what kind of results are we going to get? Or if we increase our budget by 25%, what's the best allocation? How should we reallocate our dollars in order to get the biggest bang for the buck, in order to get the best, most highest quality leads? How should we do that? Okay. Let, let me ask you for one more example. Sure. And this time, maybe like a more traditional B2B type of example, like say a SaaS company. So take us through the same thing. Like how, how would a SaaS company benefit from this approach? So a, a SaaS company, what you're looking at in that instance is that you've got, and let's say it's a freemium because most SaaS companies either start with a freemium or some sort of free trial. Your, your, your funnel is, is actually your funnel consists of email signups, just leads people requesting information, people signing up for free, people signing up for a paid trial, and then people renewing. And then you have your lifetime value. And it's usually like three or six months. Once you're, somebody is in for three or six months, you have a pretty good idea of what their lifetime value is. And that's, that's how your funnel operates. Now, what's important from a media aspect is that your media is going to your media job is to get people to come to the website. So kind of the first part of that funnel besides your email signups is sessions because the media is supposed to drive sessions, but your media could also drive people from a lifetime value aspect. Your media could actually shift people over from that free trial to a paid trial. And so what Provalytics does is it looks at the, the unique funnel, the one that we've kind of described here, and it does the math where it's looking at all of the media at a very granular level. So when we think about Facebook, for example, there's a campaign, there's an ad set, there's a creative. So at that creative level, it's doing the math to see which of that creative is correlated to things like sessions, email signups, your, your free trials, free to paid, and then your lifetime value calculations. And then it's looking at all that and coming up with math that's going to show you if you didn't do this, this is how much value you would have lost. So for the marketer, you're actually going to see, hey, increase this by X to get more of this. Hmm. Now, and the reason we do that is because for some clients, their funnels are a little different. Like, is your goal, is it, it's the end of the quarter. Is your goal to increase leads or is it to increase your free to paid? And mm -hmm. it's really dependent because usually what happens to marketers is that things aren't linear. What ends up happening is it's three weeks before the end of a quarter and you get a call from your CEO who says, hey, I need to cut spend 90% in order for us to hit our numbers, but it cannot impact leads for this quarter. Mm. And you're like, okay, so what do you cut? Well, you need to go in and into something like Provalytics and do an analysis to figure out what can you cut that won't impact leads. Or they may come in and say, hey, whatever you cut, it cannot impact sales numbers next quarter. So it really focuses on looking at which media is impacting different parts of your funnel so you can make the right decision. A lot of people think the right decision is always more sales. Well, yeah, that makes sense in a vacuum. 
But sometimes you're put in a situation where you need to make a decision based upon the requirements of the organization at that moment in time. And that's what Provolytics is all about, providing you the information you need to make the right decision at the right time. Okay. Wow. Well, there's certainly a lot to this, and I'm sure our listeners may have questions, may want to continue the conversation. So Jeff, how can people connect with you? The best way is to go to provolytics.com. That's P-R-O-V-A, Lytics, L-Y-T-I-C-S.com. And Prova, just, just so you know, Jeremy, it's, a, it's an Italian word that means proof. And in today's world as marketers, one thing we need is more proof. Mm-hmm. And that's what we provide. Nice. Okay. I like that. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. We really, I feel like we, we were able to kind of get in the weeds in this a little bit and like, you know, dive down. So thank you for sharing your expertise. It was really, that was educational. Oh, well, thanks a lot, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.